so that we'll read from Psalm 19. But before I begin, I want to also recognize that today is World Communion Sunday, and we will be we will be dining together at the Lord's table today with folks all over the world. And for those of you at home, this would be a good time perhaps to get together your elements for communion, whether that be bread and juice or whether it be your donut and coffee. We will find Christ together at the table. Our scripture reading this morning is Psalm 19. The heavens are telling the glory of God, and the firmament proclaims His handiwork. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night declares knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words. Their voice is not heard, yet their voice goes out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. In the heavens He has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom from His wedding canopy, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. It's rising from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them, and nothing is hid from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is clear, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are true, and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey, the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. But who can detect his own errors? Clear me from all hidden thoughts. Keep back your servant also from the insolent. Do not let them have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And now may the Lord bless the reading of this living word. May the words of my lips and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing to you, O God, our rock and our Redeemer. Trying to keep my footing as the bus bumped and jerked down Airport Road, I grabbed onto the handrail and my eyes met these words from an ad for the United Church of Christ. Do not put a period where God has put a comma. God is still speaking. Trying to keep my footing was an apt description of where I was that day in Chapel Hill. I'd walked away from my fill-in-the-blanks youth group version of faith in Jesus that was pretty sure it had all the right answers. But I felt pretty lost, and I was unsure of where to go next. 
God is still speaking felt like the Holy Spirit pushing me to step forward in spite of my unanswered questions. I had to learn to accept what most of you know. That the will and ways of God will always be a mystery. Rob Bell says that when we talk, speak of God as mystery, we're not saying that God is unknowable, but actually that God is infinitely knowable. I love this description of mystery because it gives us a chance to pivot, to turn from feeling defeat at not knowing something. We think we should know every day as children of modernity and the scientific method and this information age. But this allows us to move to a posture of wonder and curiosity. This pivot is possible if we would be humble enough to let go of the quest to know it all. Humility allows us to embrace those unanswered questions we all have, trusting that they could be the spaces, in fact, in our searching minds and hearts where we might ultimately meet the presence of a God who is too big and too good for our limited understanding. According to the psalmist, God's revelation is like the sky. Always there before our eyes, accessible for all of us to see, and yet far, far, far beyond our reach. The heavens are telling the glory of God, and the skies proclaim His handiwork. Think about the last time you woke up early enough to watch the sunrise. The last time you were in a place where you could look up and actually see the Milky Way. The last time that you lifted your face to watch the rain as it fell on your skin. Properly received, these everyday wonders are nothing short of miraculous. Never truly understood, but only experienced. I think that's what, why the psalmist seems to contradict himself in verses 2-4. through four. Day to day pours, pours forth speech, and night to night declares knowledge. But there is no speech, nor are there words. Their voice is not heard. Yet their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. The psalmist knew the wordless wonder that gets us to a place that our words rarely do. He knew that if we would just look up at the sky, we might see the great space between us and the glory of God and be rendered speechless. And if we could find words at all, we might ask with the psalmist in another poem, who are humans God, that you were mindful of us. Or we might say with the prophet Isaiah, we might hear the Lord speaking, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts, says the Lord. The psalmist regards the law with the same 
reverence and awe that we might the Milky Way. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is clear, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. And the ordinances of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. In Hebrew, the law of the Lord is perfect means something like the law of the Lord is whole or complete. Everything that we need to know in life and faith is found within it. And the word law in Hebrew is Torah, which can literally mean the five books of Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, and Deuteronomy. These are much more than we think of as law, but also the stories of creation and flood, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Joseph, the liberation of Israel from Egypt, and the formation of a people through 40 years in the wilderness. Even if taken at face value, these poems and stories and commandments provide more than enough knowledge of God to study and practice for a lifetime. But just like the sunrise, there is a space between what we can see and what we can know and understand in these words and the fullness of who God truly is. That is why in the Jewish tradition it is understood that there is a written Torah, the Scriptures that have been preserved that you and I can turn to in our Bibles, and an oral Torah, the totality of Jewish teaching, some of which has been written down, but most of which lives in our hearts and our minds and our conversations. Our Jewish brothers and sisters have always had a serious but playful relationship with Scripture. They've been willing to look past what seems to be obvious to embrace metaphor and allegory. They've not been afraid to ask hard questions and propose their own answers. They've been imaginative enough to fill in the spaces where there is silence or ambiguity or to get into the minds and hearts of the characters and write additional dialogue when God's words seem unclear or alternative endings when stories feel unresolved. This is a practice called midrash. It is a dance and at times a wrestling match between Scripture and God and each other trying to figure out what God is trying to say. And while this approach might seem to be disrespecting or devaluing the Bible for those of us who were taught to read it literally, I think it's actually the opposite. To me, Midrash is a way to hold Scripture in high enough regard to not let it be manipulated into a source of easy answers or to let it be reduced to tired cliches. It's too precious and sweet to do that. More to be desired than gold. Even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the, fi- of the honeycomb. But who can detect 
their own errors. Clear me from hidden faults. With these words, there is a final shift in the poem. From the glory of the heavens to the magnificence of Scripture to the ambiguity of the human heart. Who can detect his own errors? Who can detect her own errors? The understood answer is no one. It is a sobering reminder that the law of the Lord is perfect and whole and complete, but our understanding of it is not and will never be. God said, let there be bringing order to chaos and never stop speaking through creation. God spoke to the psalmist and we have His words. God spoke to the prophets and we have their words. The Word became flesh in Jesus and we have His words. And the early church read every pen stroke of Scripture with new eyes after the resurrection and we have their words. But God still speaks to us. Don't put a period where God put a comma. There is always space between God's Word and our understanding of God's Word. As Baptists, we've believed, I think, rightly in soul freedom and Bible freedom that each of us has the right and the responsibility to find that still small voice within us that tells us what God is trying to speak to us right here and right now. But when we have been at our best, we have believed that we can't detect our own errors. We remember that our interpretation of Scripture, that our understanding of tradition and history, that the meaning we make of our own experiences and our reasoning about all of these things is never authoritative by itself. We remember that we need each other. And that's why we come together every Sunday morning and every Wednesday night, sometimes in person and sometimes on Facebook or Zoom. That's why we read emails from Adult 5 teachers and get together with deacons. That's why we talk while nailing shingles or pulling weeds together. That's why we pick up the phone or gather around the fire pit or sit across from steaming cups of coffee with each other. We need each other to hear God's voice more clearly. My first day as your pastor was one year and one day ago today. These 12 months have been marked by the celebrations and struggles of a cross-country move and a transition to a new city and a new house and a new church. They've been marked by my mother's illness and Judah's surgery before we even got to pandemic. And since pandemic, there have been all sorts of new unexpected stresses and all sorts of unexpected gifts. Through it all, I've been overcome by your generosity. You have fully embraced us as a part of your family of faith. And we couldn't be more grateful for you. I still stand in awe of the God who brought us together 
And I give thanks for the joy and privilege it is to stand in this mysterious space that we share between the perfect Word of the Lord and our imperfect understanding of God's Word week in and week out. I try to follow the example of my, my friend and my mentor, Mitch Simpson, who kneeled in his study every Sunday before walking into the sanctuary. That physical act reminding me that any word that I endeavor to speak must be held loosely, regarded as authoritative only as it comes from God and not just me. I try to walk into this pulpit every week with fear and trembling. Remembering those saints like Howard Lee and Kirk Lashley and Bruce Wilson and the many others whose human words were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit to preach the grace and wisdom of Jesus and hoping and praying that mine can be the same. I ask God every week to stop me from saying anything that would distract me from the word, distract you from the word of the Lord and to open me to speaking those things that did not make it into my manuscript, but that you need to hear. And I've been humbled, not just by your, your openness to listen carefully to my words, but to try to incorporate them into your lives and your spiritual journeys and your willingness to tell me when something resonated with you or encouraged you or challenged you. But what I'm most grateful for is your honesty. Your honesty when you disagree or have a, a different perspective on life or faith. What I most appreciate is your willingness to try to teach me when you think I have something to learn. Because I do. I have much to learn from you, especially those of you who have been reading Scripture and following Jesus for longer than I have been alive. And yet I realize that even the youngest among us has something to teach me and something to teach you about the grace and wisdom of Jesus. In this multi-generational community of faith, my prayer is that we always see the space between us and the Word of the Lord as a dialogue, a conversation, a dance between us and the Holy Spirit. And that's why I pray that modified version of Psalm 19.7 every week. May the words of my lips and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing. Because in the scandalous grace of God, the voice of the Lord doesn't just speak in star-spangled heavens or in the sweet and precious words of our Bibles or in the words of the preacher, but in all of us. God speaks through the words of all of our lips and the meditations of all of our hearts. May we take a deep breath and listen. Truly listen to each other. On this one year anniversary and West Main's 79th birthday, I want to reread what I said to you the first time I stepped into this pulpit. You have been fearfully and wonderfully made as a church. Born as the Holy Spirit blew through charter members like Margaret Whalen and all the saints who met in that White House 
1941. You have been through surprising, painful, joyful rebirths just as I have. And you are being born again in the sacred breath of four-year-olds like Helen Grace Wales. I don't know what our rebirth look like, looks like. I've had plenty of ideas of my own. But Jesus tells us that the Holy Spirit blows where it will. We don't know where it will come from. and We don't know where it will go. For West Maine to be born again, born from above, born from the Holy Spirit, we have to listen, watch, pray, and discern together. As your pastor, I promise to be present in your life, to learn your stories, to ask about your ideas and your dreams, to regard you with awe and wonder sufficient to notice the image of God within each of you, and to name and celebrate the ways that the Holy Spirit is already at work in your life. I don't know what our rebirth will look like, but I know that our being born again, our being born from above, started with the love of God 78 years ago, has been sustained by the love of God all these years since, and will continue to unfold by the love of God in all the years to come. Happy birthday, West Maine. May it be so with us. Let us pray. Loving God, in the mystery that surrounds You, You came to us in flesh and blood, in the person of Jesus, so that we might know You, so that we might know Your self-giving love, so that we might know that whatever else we don't know, that You have given Yourself to us and that You always will give Yourself to us right where we are, just as we are. As we gather around the table, we remember all of those times that we have gathered around bread and wine through the centuries. And we recognize that we gather with saints all across the world on this day, breaking bread and pouring wine, hoping to find Your presence in all manner of tongues. Be present to us as we break bread. Be present to us as we drink the cup. Help us to remember that for all we don't know, that we can know that You are here with us always. In the name of our Creator, and our Redeemer, and our Sustainer, we pray all these things. Amen.